Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Osho Podcast, presented by FantasyJocks.com. I am your host, Jack O'Hara. It is January 8th, 2019. Uh, Divisional round coming up this week. Cowboys got the Rams after the Eagles upset the Bears after Cody Parkey's missed field goal from 43 yards out. Uh, Not getting quite the... uh, Best uh, graces from uh, Bears fans that are not quite as forgiving for Cody Parkey, I'd say. Eight million, ten million, twenty-five million. I don't know how much fucking Cody Parkey's getting fucking paid, but that little fucking cocksucker from South Florida can make a goddamn fucking kick for his fucking life. I mean, how much fucking money we gotta pay this fucking cocksucker? How much fucking opportunity do you fucking need? How many fucking missed kicks is Cody Parkey gonna fucking hit this year? 11! 11! That's how many! 11! Fuck you, Cody! Fuck you! (laughs) Bears haven't won in a while, guys. I mean, this, this guy made his own Instagram account, uh, F Parkey. Um, it's a, basically a Cody Parkey parody account where uh, they're not too um, they they don't like him too much. Uh, it's got 316 followers. Um, it, it it basically just bashes Cody Parkey's existence, and yeah, that field goal did not help. Like you said, 11 missed field goals over the course of the 2018 season. That last kick costing the Bears their entire season. So thank God I'm not a Bears fan. I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, however, and they defeated the Seattle Seahawks by a final score of 24-22. to Squeaked one out this past week. They go on to face the Rams Saturday night after the Eagles beat the Bears. Uh, Eagles go on to play the Saints, which sets up a potential possibility of a Cowboys-Eagles-NFC championship game next week. Now, Eagles will have to beat the one seed in the Saints in New Orleans. Cowboys have to knock off the two seed in the Rams in LA Saturday night, but hey, this uh, I don't think the Rams and the Saints are automatics. It's not like the Patriots and the Chiefs. I feel like they're going to be tough to beat at home. Um, but Eagles, Cowboys, if the Cowboys can get an opportunity to headline Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta after defeating the defending champions at home, I might add, they'll be in Dallas if that works out. Cowboys entered the postseason as the four seed, the Eagles the six seed. So it'd be Cowboys-Eagles at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Uh, I really, really pray to God that I get to see that opportunity. This could potentially be a different type of postseason for the Cowboys. In years past, I mean, I'm not getting excited yet. I mean, we barely beat the Seahawks, would have lost that game if Dak didn't uh, convert on that third and 14 play where he ran it for 16 yards up the middle of the field. Um, I feel like 
it's not like what it was in years past where the Cowboys lost because of that Jared Cook catch and the field goal by Mason Crosby as time expired two years ago. It's not like with the Dez catch in Green Bay. Uh, I mean, Jesus, that that play broke Cowboys fans' hearts for at least one full season. Because then they went back the next year and won four games. They went 4-12 and 12 in the 20, uh, 2015 season. Absolutely heartbreaking. Only to go back the next year as the one seed after winning 13 games with our new franchise quarterback and Dak Prescott. Took, took the wings out from underneath Tony Romo, who ends up retiring and joins Jim Nance on NBC in the broadcast booth. Um, but, you know, this postseason run feels a little different. I feel like our defense is much stronger than it has been in years past, which is always an upside. Uh, Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, won the uh, NFC rushing title this year for the second time in three years after having a poor start last year with his suspension and everything. I feel as if if the Cowboys can get past the Rams, this is the round that for the past 15, 20 years, the Cowboys just can't get past. The divisional round is where it stops. It's where they lose. If they can make it to the NFC title game, there's a shot, ladies and gentlemen. The Cowboys will have a shot at Super Bowl 53, their first Super Bowl appearance since 1995. And though I am a heavy believer in my Dallas Cowboys, uh, former NFL quarterback and Boston College alumnus, uh, Matt Hasselbeck does not think so. Here's Matty Hass on his opinion of the Cowboys this postseason. I actually don't think it matters. Well, I think the Dallas Cowboys are an overrated team. I think oh. they um, they played well last night. You know, the touchdown pass that Dak had in the red zone was a perfect pass. But they threw. They tried the same play the play before. It was a terrible pass. It was five yards out of bounds. But Dak Prescott, give him the credit. He made the plays, throwing the ball and running the ball that needed to be made. But none, none bigger than that uh, quarterback draw on third and 14. Oh the God. Seahawks right there had the game in their hands. You stop them and lead, you know, hold them to a field goal right there, the game is yours. So I think the Dallas Cowboys are a team that has flaws. They are playing much better uh, every, uh, running the ball. Every team has flaws. But, but I don't think that they can match up, quite honestly, with – the Rams and the Saints going forward. I, think, I don't but they've, think. They've, they've already done it. So I know I, they've already done it, but this is, I'm just saying, are you banking on them getting to a championship? I heard you say that you are. I am not. I do not well, I'm, think. I'm, I'm banking on this team. If they play, I like the fact that if they have to go on the road and play against the Saints, they're playing in a dome, which they already play in a dome at home, and it's, again, and it's on artificial turf. So it's similar situation. The only difference is it's not a home game for them. But I like this team defensively. When, when, when Demarcus Lawrence came out and said, the way you beat this team is you hit them in the mouth. If they go there with that same mentality and play this New Orleans Saints, who they've been off a couple of weeks and they've rest some of their starters the last game of the season, this team could come out flat. And if they allow this team, this Dallas Cowboys team, to go down there and get momentum early, this Cowboys team will end up in a championship game and go through New Orleans. Yeah, and I, I actually agree with that, and I think that's what happened yesterday. It looked like the Seahawks came out flat. It looked like the aggressor, the more physical team, the team with more like hype and energy and excitement was the Dallas Cowboys. And that's what we saw against uh, the New Orleans Saints. When Dallas played New Orleans on Thursday night, you heard Jerry Jones talking about it was their Super Bowl. If they yeah. play that way, then sure. Fine, absolutely. But I don't think I've seen the level. I don't think I've seen that consistency from the Dallas Cowboys to make me feel like I believe in them. But you haven't much. seen them in the playoffs playing with this consistency. No, no this is the playoffs. <laughs> hey, man, hey, let me grab my pillow and my, and my recliner and sit back. I'll listen to y'all. Hey, okay. go for Here's it. Here's a popcorn. Give me some. Been a while. Yeah, no kid. Glad I got my highly touted guest on for today.
Are you excited for the weekend? Dude, I'm ready to see how it goes. <laughs> I'm still not that excited. Like, I'm excited that they're there, but I'm not excited to the point where, like, I know, like, we've seen this movie before. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to come down to, like, a field goal. Like, that Packers game two years ago and then the Packers game four yeah. years ago. My dad gets to go. In L.A., right? Yeah. My cousin has season tickets, so he's hopping along. You should have dro- uh, drove out for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, that was lost tickets. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very nice. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about with you is the Alan Hearns injury. Hoy. That's tough. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely going to hurt a little bit next week. I mean... When I was watching, I'd see the replay. Joe Buck's like, all right, we're going to go to commercial break. I mean, I swear to God, the guy, like, one foot was facing down. He was on his stomach. One foot's facing down. The other one's facing up. I'm like, Joe Buck, you got to be kidding me. Can't show that. He's like, well, we'll, we'll see what's uh, wrong with Alan Hearns after the commercial break. They're, yeah. they're showing the replay, and I just see slowly but surely his, uh, his ankle get caught underneath. I'm like, oh my god, it's gonna snap! It's gonna snap! It's gonna snap! And then it just dislocated like that. It was yeah. disgusting. Poor no, guy, it, though. Yeah, it's crazy though, because every time he plays, it's one catch a week, and it's always at a big moment, like on a crucial third down or in a red zone when we need a big catch. Oh just my god! Going. And then Beasley got hurt, but he came back in. He should be ready to go for Saturday. He's been battling an ankle injury for like six weeks now, though. So him playing hurt is. Nothing he's not yeah. used to. Nobody's 100% at this point anyway. Nope. Tavon Austin ready to go. Had a great cut in the fourth quarter. I texted you right away after that. I'm like, that was a great cut. Yeah, if, if he's healthy, that makes a huge difference in the punt return game, just field position-wise, because that's going to be a big part too. And I, the biggest part for us is defense. Yeah. Like, we may have one of the best I don't know, top three defenses left in the playoffs right now? Yeah, that's very easy to say, especially with the Bears and Ravens defense both falling out this week. But um, it's it's going to be a matter of what can our front seven do against their offensive line and Todd Gurley because they're the number three rush defense and the number five pass defense, and a lot of what they do in the passing game comes off of play action off the run game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I just read or I just saw this uh, – take by matt hasselbeck it was like on nfl countdown i think sunday after the game just mm-hmm. completely derailed the cowboys saying that they're completely overrated how um they don't match up well either against the rams or the saints uh i believe that to an extent i believe the cowboys got here because the division was weak but now that we're in the playoffs i feel like anything could happen squeaked one out against the seahawks i think we can beat the rams because they have yet to win a playoff game under jared goff and Sean McVay. Sean McVay. So it'll be interesting. I could definitely see the Rams coming out and playing well after last year's uh, game against Atlanta, though. Yeah, and I mean, having two teams from the same division make the divisional round and say our division is weak is, I I don't know if you can make that argument at this point anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, the Eagles got in. They barely got past the Bears. Poor Bears fans. (laughs) Yeah, poor Bears fans. Yeah. So my bet is, though, um... My prediction for this week, obviously, I got the Cowboys over the Rams. I do have the Eagles beating the Saints, too. I feel like the Saints are one of those top seeds that's just going to fall off the rails. I think they fell off the rails the final few weeks of the season. Yeah. 
And then I have an Eagles uh, Cowboys NFC Championship game. I mean, that'd be ideal because we're hosting. <laughs> we host and we get the chance to knock off the defending champions as we go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the the biggest thing with that though is playing a team three times in a year. It's hard to beat them three times. We've seen it in the past in '07 when we were the one seed and played the Giants in the second round and got smoked. Oh yeah, Tony Romo and To and Marion Barber and all them. So just flashbacks to that is just hard to I, see. I remember two years back, Dak and Zeke's first year, they went thirteen and three, and at that point they were. I want to say 12-1 and one when they played the Giants again, and they both yeah. losses to the Giants. I feared that the Giants and the boys were going to play each other in the divisional round. Oh, yeah. Them going in and then beating them for a third time. Yeah. Especially it's, where I'm from. That would look so bad, surrounded by Giants fans. Yeah, that'd be horrible. It'd be you, horrendous. Um, yeah, but like I was saying, like Hasselbeck said that the Cowboys were overrated. Like, do you do you think the Cowboys are overrated to to an extent? Like, obviously they got into the playoffs because of the Giants and the Redskins. Of the I mean, the it, it helps that the Redskins had a whole bunch of injuries at quarterback and other positions this year down the stretch. But at the same time, since the halfway part of the year, the Cowboys are eight and one. The offense has made a big step. You make a big trade to get a guy in, be your number ones. Easy to say that they're overrated, but the results are paying off, and they ain't asking how. They're asking how many. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he makes a good point on it, but at the same time, anything could happen now. Yeah. Uh, Eagles, Bears, Bears lose a tough one, 16-15. Cody Park, he misses that 43-yard field goal. Does yeah. he deserve all the backlash that he's been getting? I realize that like he did that a few times. Over the past few weeks, but at the same time, it was 43 yards. I feel like maybe seven out of ten times that's made. But in in today's game, I feel like that can be missed quite enough. I know it cost them their entire season, and fans were just flipping out. I mean, this kick isn't entirely his fault. He got it blocked. If you go back and watch the replay, he got tipped. If if you're going to blame anyone, the guard that was on the left guard in that special teams, there's two kicks blocked from that side of the line. And then on top of that, the offense had multiple opportunities to get touchdowns and couldn't convert oh when God. it came down to it. And it hit the the left upright and then the crossbar. Yeah, that's correct. So he screwed up twice. Like he had two chances yeah. there and just the nothing point. went their way. Oh, I feel so bad. Neil's a Bears fan. Poor Neil. <laughs> I got to text him about that. Um, would you have rather played the Saints or the Rams in the divisional round? I, I, I don't know if it really matters to an extent because they're both so potent on offense. You're going to have to win the time of possession either way. And I think personally L.A. is a little bit easier to play in than New Orleans. So I think playing L.A. might have been the better of the two evils that we could have played, I guess, to say. So it'll help a little bit, hopefully. Yeah, and like I said before, they haven't won a playoff game under this new uh, team yet. Kind of inexperienced. Uh, the Saints, on the other hand, we'd be playing in a dome, which we're familiar with. The Saints, yeah. who we beat in the regular season, I guess you could say we had their number. Either yeah. either way, I kind of feel confident. I, I feel like both like going into the playoffs, I felt like the Saints and the Rams were two just unstoppable forces. Yeah. And they both kind of like tailed off towards the end to the point where you thought, hey, I think this is a wide-open game for all of us. And... Um, I think our defense definitely can hold up with the best of them, especially with Jared Goff, an yeah. experienced playoff quarterback. 
If if the Rams can pull off this win against the Cowboys, I think they go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest thing for the Cowboys on Saturday, I was hearing, I was listening to uh, Brady Quinn on CBS Sports talk about it. Um, the Rams are the thirty two rank thirty second ranked rush defense in the NFL. So if our if our front five can get downhill and get to the second level and get Zeke five yards before getting contacted, it's going to be a huge difference maker. Oh, and number, you just say number 32, Zeke won the, uh, what was it, the rushing um, Yeah, he was the rushing, the rushing title? Yeah. yeah. For the NFC, so we'll see. I'm, I'm not trying to get my hopes up at all. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a matter of how are we going to take Aaron Donald out of the equation and make someone else beat us on the defensive end. It's definitely going to be. It's definitely going to come down to a field goal. I mean, last week came down to a field goal. That Dak Prescott run on third and fourteen. Huge. That that's the reason they won. Them them finally allowing him to run inside the twenty five last week was huge for us. Oh, he had two God. runs on third downs that I don't think I've seen them do that since his rookie year of just ground and pound and let everyone block in front of him. I mean, that play alone, so the Seahawks come back. If they hold them to a field goal there, that's, what was it before? 17, so they're up 20 to 14. Yeah. Yeah, Seahawks win that game. Even another big play, the Noah Brown underthrow into that KJ, right? Caught off the tip from interception. Oh, yeah. That's huge. We had a a chance to go up two scores. And another, another thing to note, too, Janikowski got hurt. That was awesome. I laughed so hard when that happened, when he just blew his hammy out. Yeah, I mean, you, you really hate to see it, but like it, at the end of the game, it helped because oh, yeah. they, have a better, they have a way better chance of recovering the onside kick. Than they have a way better chance of executing the onside kick. <laughs> yeah, and even on top of that, a, a guy that can actually kick a field goal takes you out of having to go forward on fourth down as much as they had to do at, towards the end of the game. I mean, they went for the the drop kick onside kick, which I've never seen before, and he just completely got under it and popped it up. I, that was yeah. easily like the biggest, easiest play for Cole Beasley in his career. Yeah, Cole Beasley looked like an outfielder in that one. I, <laughs> way too easy. So predictions first with the AFC Patriots Chargers. Who you got? Um. I'm going to have to go with the Patriots. It's just tough to beat them in Foxborough off a bye week. And Bill Belichick's good at scheming for games like this. Um, I do believe that the Patriots, like, for whatever reason, people are talking about the Chiefs with Mahomes and then the Chargers with their big one last week. They're a dark horse. But the Patriots are the only team in the AFC to me that actually has legitimate experience yeah. in playoff games. Like, I feel like every week's a huge game for these other teams. I feel like the Patriots, this is just, like, routine by now. I mean, I was looking at it on Instagram. There's not a single quarterback in the AFC that's won a game against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Wait, say that again? So, in the AFC, all the quarterbacks that were in the playoffs are 0 for when they played against the Patriots and Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, no Mark Sanchez, so. Yeah, I know. Can't have the Sanchez guys do it. Unbelievable. I actually have the Chargers going in this game because not just based off of stats or any individual things, but the Patriots are due for like that one-and-done playoff run because yeah. they've had those over the years. They've been really good. They've made three Super Bowl appearances in the last four years. They're due for one really like choking season. 
absolutely. I, I feel that too, but at the end of the day, it's still the Patriots, it's still Foxborough, and the Chargers special team is still iffy. Yeah. And I said I had the Eagles. Who do you have in Eagles-Saints? My my heart says the Eagles, but my mind says the Saints. That, that game could go either way. At the end of the day, I think I'm going to pick the Saints probably just because I think the Eagles offense was a little shaky last week against the good Bears defense. And it's a matter of what can they do against that Saints secondary. Cowboys Rams, obviously. How about them Cowboys? Absolutely. Colts Chiefs. This one, this one, I could see going either way. Mahomes, no playoff experience whatsoever. It yep. could be like Prescott against Rogers two years ago. Uh-huh. Although that did come down to Jared Cook, that stupid catch with like three seconds left. That I still have nightmares about. Oh my god, that pissed me off for so long. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is definitely a trap game. <laughs> I mean, I could see Mahomes just knocking out of the park, like five touchdown passes, 400 yards. Yeah. But, I mean, the Colts, the Texans I knew, I had a, like, my gut told me they were not yeah. going to go far at all. They the never Texans do. They never do. It doesn't matter if they're 9-7, and 13-3, and 12-4. They're just not a playoff football team. Yeah. And to me, I feel like the Colts, like a lot of analysts say, they're a dark horse. I don't know. Yeah, I. They're definitely. They came into the playoffs hot. They're another team that came in winning a whole bunch of games and like lost once. I think I'm not for sure on what exactly their record was towards the end. They came in hot and they're relying on their defense quite often. Andrew Luck is playing unbelievable right now. And I think they went into the season the number thirty-two ranked team overall. And they started the right. season. They started out like one and five, and they finished ten and six, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think all these games should be good this week. It should all come down to the wire for all these games. This is going to be playoff football. Yeah, this point. is probably going to be the best week so far. Yeah. You got two games Saturday, two games Sunday. I mean, if you got like Patriots Chiefs is probably best case scenario AFC wise if they want to compete with the NFC game, because either way you look at it, that NFC championship game is going to be off the charts. Yeah. Whatever matchups you got, Cowboys, Saints, Eagles, Rams, Cowboys, Eagles. If you get Cowboys, Eagles, that's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Though it's like, it's not our turn this year to get prime time. I think we'd be the de- uh, like the 330 game or something. Oh, or yeah. Or 130, easy. which stinks. Easy. That'd be rivalry awesome. Game. NFC East rivalry game for... NFC Championship chance to go to the playoffs defending or Super Bowl defending Super Bowl chance. We'll get time. So that does it with football. I want to get into MOB offseason. Still in a stalemate with all the top guys. I thought they'd be signed. I thought at least Machado would have signed by now. Yeah. Wink, wink. He said that he was, or like, <laughs> who was it? Like Dan Clark said that like. One of his buddies said that he picked the Yankees already and all he needs is a signature. And that was like yeah. two and a half weeks ago. And I've still been waiting every day, logging into MLB Trade Rumors, seeing if it happened yet. It's just crazy because it's only a matter of time. As soon as one domino falls, they're all falling. I think they're both waiting to, they're both waiting for each other to sign somewhere so they can get the bigger deal. Yeah. I mean, it's looking now that like the Nationals actually have a good shot of re-signing Harper. Because they're the only team that's offered him three hundred million so far. They offered him three hundred million before the season even ended. Yeah, but he turned it down. Ten years, three hundred million. You're going to turn that down? Because well, he thought he was going to get way more, and I think he obviously planned on leaving. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, of course, you want to like test the waters too, but at that point, 10 years, 300 million. I don't think the deal had an opt out clause though. So if he signs yeah. that, he's signed for life. No turning back. Yeah. Manny Machado, on the other hand, it's either the Yankees, the Phillies, or the White Sox. The White Sox basically just acquired, um, they got Yonder Alonso, who's his brother in law, and then John Jay, who's like his cousin. So they're basically yeah. like, your family's here. I think they want you to come over here. They felt the experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, how quickly do you think that they drop those two guys when Machado doesn't sign in Chicago? I mean, if they're not producing, then they're trading, trying to get something back. I mean, they have uh, Jose Abreu at first, so Yonder Alonso doesn't really um, fit there. Were you guys having a fire drill? Yeah, fire alarm. Just awesome. Breaking yeah. news. On the podcast, fire drill. So, continue this outside. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I see Machado either going to Philly or New York. Yeah. Though this Troy Tulowitzki signing has me a bit nervous. A fire has been reported in the building. Yeah, that Tulo signing is definitely something that was intriguing to me. You know, I didn't want to bring this up, Davis, but I just saw that you threw on your SoCal Catch sweatshirt. It's the closest thing to me. Oh, my God. I, I didn't bring any of that gear with me on campus. It's, this sweatshirt's comfortable as hell, though. Sometimes I see uh, Caden Breeze out there. He's wearing his FCA polo and his uh, Catch hat. He, he wears that shit. It, what, like, what are you doing, Caden? You going to set up the... Uh, the canopies down at Biola University. Can you get some candy bars for me? Oh, Jesus. But, yeah, Troy Tulowitzki signing, I get it. Like $500,000, you're getting him for the league minimum. Blue Jays are paying the other, like, $40 million left on his deal for the next two years. But I feel like even informing Manny Machado about that, signing Troy Tulowitzki and naming him your starting shortstop doesn't bode well for your uh, sweepstakes for Machado. I think a veteran shortstop is pretty good to have. Uh, I mean, he's a good backup. I mean, he hasn't played. He's like kind of like another Jacoby Ellsbury in my eyes. I mean, you have two Jacoby Ellsbury-type players who, when they're healthy and doing well, they can produce. But at the same time, if they're not, it's kind of a waste, which I can see why they did it here with Troy Tulowitzki only making 500 k If he doesn't do well, they can just dump him. But if Machado yeah. doesn't sign, you're stuck with Tulo, who might hit 200 and play 50 games over the course of the year. Yeah, but then if you do have Machado sign, Tulo can probably play second on off days for whoever's playing second for you. And I don't even remember who. But, I mean, he's a, he can be versatile if you really used him that way. Fair. We'll see what happens. Only time will tell with this stuff. Baseball, I feel like, is the most unpredictable sport, or can be at least. Uh Let's talk about your Angels. Mike Trout, do you think over the next few years, even the next few months, do you think that the Angels plan on extending him or trading him? I mean, ideally extending him would be the plan. Uh, but if next year comes around and we're not winning and it's time to rebuild, they're going to try and trade him. Yeah, and I've heard like extension, like just like throwing numbers out there, like a 10-year deal worth like $500 million. 
Like, could you imagine, like, the nerve of that deal for the Angels? I mean, when a guy makes, when a guy plays the way he does every year and finishes top three in the MVP votings every year, it's hard not to give him that kind of deal. But it's, it's going to be tough to see where we go because no Shohei this year on the mound, obviously. And we signed Matt Harvey. There you go. I feel like all your Mets go straight to your Angels. You got Hansa Robles. Dude, Hunter Robles didn't pitch that bad for the Angels this year, believe it or not. I was surprised by that. But Matt Harvey will haunt me today I die, I think. I don't know. If he can put up decent numbers, get that mojo back in Anaheim's, especially since they're probably not going to do much this year. I mean, yeah. they may be that sleeper team, given that the Mariners just dumped their entire franchise. Thank you, Jerry DePoto. Which makes no sense to me. I feel like they were right on the edge. I don't know why they decided to just clean house now that they're not going to win for like the next 15 I mean, years. I think secretly DePoto still works for the Angels and he's just doing this to try and help them out a little bit. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like you had Cano, Cruz, um, Paxton was your ace. Uh, they yeah. won 89 games. They basically got screwed over because the A's all of a sudden were like that surprise team that ended up winning 97 games yeah but you know the a's can't do that every year because they don't have the cap space to go out and get a big time talent to help them produce exactly. like that every year so and when, they got rid of edwin diaz too yeah so edwin diaz now but for I mean, the mets they got a haul for edwin diaz and freaking robinson Cano from the mets it was crazy. That, that that was just a Brody Van Wagenen, like, flexing those muscles. Like, you see, yeah. I'm going to make a move that no other Mets GM has ever made. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with them getting rid of Jay Bruce. And I don't even remember the other guy that was on the Art Ross. I think it was uh, Swarzak, maybe? Yeah, okay. Anthony and, Swarzak. Yeah, but we got rid of our number three and four prospects. And one is just raking as a rookie this year down in A. And the other pitched at Boston College and just strikes out everyone, and I really upset the GM go. Yeah, I mean it'll. It, I mean if it works out, Brody Van Wagenen is a genius. But like the second Cano like goes on the DL or they're ten games under five hundred. Yeah. I mean Robinson Cano might have like two good years left, but he has almost what four or five years left on that deal. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, it's going to be tough. It really is. It's they're an intriguing team. And then they during the winter meetings, I thought it was going to happen. I texted you about it. The Noah Syndergaard three team trade. The Mets were going to get Real Muto from the Marlins. I mean, when it came down to it, I think Real Muto for Syndergaard straight up was the ending deal, and they're just getting players somewhere else for something else. I mean, the I, balls you got to have to make that deal trade one of your aces to your arch rival Yankees. Yeah, that like, I that was tough for me, just because you have such a good rotation right now, and you're gonna dump him to the Yankees for a catcher who is gonna hit well. Yeah, but you're not getting anything else. I don't, I don't think they're getting anything else, were they? No, it was gonna be JT Real Muto. That's about so you're it. Just, you're just straight up giving Syndergaard cross town for because JT you really Real want Muto. that that all star catcher. And then they went out and got Wilson Ramos, who apparently was also just supposed to be the backup for Real Muto because they were still going after him after they yeah. signed Ramos. Ramos is a I good mean, catcher. I'm fine with Ramos. Yeah. I mean, Darno will come back halfway through the year probably. So that'll be a fun catching situation to 
watch after, but then they got rid of Kowecki to the Indians like last week. So I don't know. It's it's different what he's trying to do, but at least he's trying to do something. Yeah, with the moves that he's making, do you think that do you like like Brody Wagonin so far? Or? I mean, I like I like him. He hasn't traded the Grom or Syndergaard or like done anything to completely mess it up. He traded, got outfield depth with Keon Broxton. Got rid of Jay Bruce and his contract, who didn't play to any of his standards last year. I mean, he tried to get a bat in Robinson Cano. It may be an aging bat, but it's a bat. And he's re-bolstered the bullpen, re-signed Jerry Familia, and got Edwin Diaz on the back end now. So if you can bridge DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats, or Wheeler to the seventh inning, get them there, and then go Familia Diaz, it's going to be hard to beat him. And this is going to be the first year in a long time where almost every team, besides the Marlins, of course, that every team in the NL East is going to contend, or at least try and contend. Yeah. I'd, the Nationals without Harper and Murphy, I don't know if they'll – I think they'll be the fourth team possibly. But the Phillies, Mets, Braves is going to be really, really intriguing to watch. And the Nationals just picked up Patrick Corbin. Yeah. And I mean, considering they've had rotations. Yeah, considering they were actually supposed to win the division last year, they just had like an, a horrible nightmare year this year. Yeah. Like I could see them easily bouncing back. I remember the Cubs after they won the World Series, they didn't play that well in 2017. They came back this year won 97 games. Yeah. So who knows? And then the Phillies, they have to go out and get a big bat. Yeah, like they, they said, like they promised their fan base, they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna spend stupid money this off season," and they haven't. They have spent to get anything. someone to protect Reese Hoskins. Have to. Uh, and Bryce Harper, uh, he's got to be that guy because it doesn't sound like, to me, anyways, Machado is like. I guess he's considering Philly, but he already said that he'd prefer New York over Philly. He, he's gonna go to New York or Chicago for the White Sox, in my opinion. I don't think the Phillies are. I, I haven't. I haven't even looked that closely into the White Sox. Are they going to contend this year? They have cap space. Is what they have. <laughs> if they get Machado or Harper, they have a chance to you know compete for the division. That's a weak division already with the Tigers and Royals, and then the Indians. Who knows what they're doing? They're trying to trade Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer at the moment. Yeah. So, and then the Twins are the Twins. <laughs> so I mean, uh... they, they're always going to have a chance. Yeah, I mean, that division was brutal last year. Everybody was under 500 except for the uh, Indians. Yeah. And then they just got you, smoked you, in the— You get Machado or Harper, they added Kelvin Herrera to a two-year deal last week. Yeah. So, I mean, they're adding pieces. They got John Jay, who's a bat. He's consistent at the top of the order. It's going to be fun to watch. Just see, because they could compete, potentially. And despite— Yonder, so despite Yonder Alonso and John Jay being out of the White Sox, and that intrigues Machado a little bit. Family, they work yeah. out together every day. I feel like uh, the South Side of Chicago isn't very attractive. Like I feel like I wouldn't be intrigued at all to sign there, regardless of how much they're paying. Me. I, mean, I mean, personally, I'd rather go to the North Side of Chicago and play for the Cubs. Yeah. If I was going to play anywhere over there, but I mean, you want to live in the South Side of Chicago too. No, nah, you probably bust into there. When I visited, uh, what is it, Guaranteed Rate Field? Yeah. When I visit, I was just walking around seeing if I can get in, and I swear to God, I was the only kid outside within, like, 12 blocks. Yeah. It was just silent. Yeah, it's, it's a weird place to go watch a game at. <laughs> All right. Last question before I let you sit there in 40-degree weather outside of your apartment. David Wright, 
assistant to the GM now. Your thoughts? I'm just happy to see that he's still with the Mets, honestly. Like, it's tough the way he went out in his career, two years on the DL and then going out in one game. But the fact that they're giving him a chance to still be part of the team, work with the organization, it's definitely going to be fun to watch because I stay right from my all-time favorites. It's going. Sweet. That was Davis Ford. Uh, looking forward to this weekend. Cowboys, Rams, uh, 6.15 Mountain Time, 5.15 Pacific, 8.15 Eastern Time. Cowboys, Rams, followed by Eagles, Saints. Really hoping for Cowboys, Eagles, NFC Championship game next Sunday night in Arlington. This was episode 42, LA, Here We Come. Cowboys, Rams, Saturday night in Los Angeles. Hit it, Hootie. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.